Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Morning, morning, morning. It is November 1st, 2014, and this is your host, the Conzie with the most, joined by a co-host called Brian Stark, occasionally disturbed Mach 1 on the WWHFB forum. And we also have the great and illustrious host of the wonderful podcast, The Combat Phase. He doesn't and seem maybe to be pointing we don't at him. Have <laughs> <laughs> through the magic of Skype. Yes, through the, through the magic. I'm trying to give the finger point cues and he can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you give me just one specific finger. Uh, well, there was two of them. <laughs> Uh, there weren't the fingers that all of you people out there were thinking about. <laughs> all right, so thanks, Kenny, for joining us. Brian, yourself, awesome. It's great to get together again and record. What do we intend to talk about today, Brian? About Army transportation, how you haul your models around to the game store across the country, around the world, to play your games, do battle, and protect them. Yeah, a number of, you know, we've obviously I've had some flying around. Kenny's done a lot of traveling with models, and even you've had a several, a couple of different revisions and transport technologies that yeah. you've used now. Over the number of years we all have been playing, we got quite a few different options out there, and <laughs> maybe some we even haven't used that we're going to talk about today. Should be a very interesting conversation, and hopefully one that'll help help folks out there kind of make some decisions on what the solution works best for them. So what's been going on lately? Ugh, I think it's been a little while since we were in here to record, but it feels like it was just a few weeks ago. I had midterms and stuff, which kept me out of the hobby and s such. I think those were kind of going on right when we recorded last time or right after. But this last week has been pretty awesome. Excellent, excellent. We played quite a few games. Not quite a few, but more than normal. Yeah. Played a couple. Played a couple in the last few weeks. I, you whooped up on me in a game of bolt action. <laughs> yes, it's about time that <laughs> the, the... The Germans figured out how the, to fight the, a battle. The Germans uh, have uh, started to retake. Yeah, like we haven't played too many games yet, so wanted to pick one of the scenarios we hadn't done, and I don't remember what it was called. You had to like... One person was attacker, one was defender, and the attacker wanted to try and get off the defender's deployment zone edge. And I actually chose to be the attacker for a change. I think we were kind of talking about it after I've usually been playing pretty defensive. So I went on the offense and it didn't work out very well. <laughs> so the Americans got pretty chewed up. It yes, wasn't yes. even that close in the end. But yeah, it was I think I learned some stuff. Definitely a different type, different feel for a game than what we played before. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird too, because even if your guys run, the most they move is twelve inches. So to run four feet across the table, I mean, you have to run them like four turns ish, or at least three. So that's kind of hard to move that fast. If I I only threw one vehicle in there, and I wasn't really thinking about it when I deployed it to help get my guys across the table. So, <laughs> but you know, the kind of way the way that game went. You've got to kind of think, it gives some, you know, and, and I know you're not so much into the historical part of it, but I, I think of like the, you know, the D-Day assault, assault for, you know, the uh, allied forces assaulting the beach. And, and we had a lot of terrain and obstacles and things to hide behind on our table. Yeah, I was just trying to make quite You know, a imagine few. if we tried to replay a D-Day assault, how massive the allied force would have to be. To get over you know, that open beach. <laughs> over the open beach. Then a wall. Yep. To climb up a wall, 
f- to finally get to a position where they could start really shooting at the enemy. Yeah, pretty tough, but yeah, bolt action's still been really fun, even though, I mean, I was definitely on the receiving end of the pain in that one. <laughs> so. You were in control of the game, and it was still fun, so learned some things where I'm still trying to figure out what I want to play for a list and what kind of force can do what, so that was cool. But then, that was like last weekend, and then I finally made it down to the game store on a Monday night after like a few weeks absence. That was Pegasus Games, right? Yep, Pegasus. And we ended up pairing up in a game of Warhammer then. Yeah, yeah. I got some revenge for my Americans. It was terrible. (laughs) we We ended up playing a Watchtower, and I think that made it a little bit of a different game, but they really Your dice weren't up. helping you too much. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, it but, did change up the way I yeah. played the game, though. That's I, for sure. I, I mean, you were concentrating everything. Everything I could to try to try to hold, retain, or take back the tower, and it was still even as it was really as close. It yeah, yeah. I, I had opportunities. I ended up pulling all your dudes off the table, besides the shades we forgot about, but it was still really close. That was like turn six, I think it ended or something like that. Yeah, and I was just barely holding on to the tower, so. Yeah, it was down to, I think, just Manfred in the tower at that point. Yeah, he was the only one in there at that point. Like You had started with Crossbowman in there because he won the tower originally, and my ghouls fought him out turn three, I think, is when uh, your dudes actually ran away. I could make a, like, a leadership eight <laughs> test, leadership <laughs> well, nine, or a leadership Your general failed like, four, I think, <sighs> Yeah, for stupidity. <laughs> four leader ten, stupidity checks failed. It was ridiculous. So I don't run BSB normally in my Dark Elf list because everything's usually scattered to the nine winds on, on yeah. the table, so nothing's really very close to that 12-inch range. Watchtower, everything's kind of all of a sudden packed, you know, trying to pack in and yeah. focus on that Watchtower area, and I would have really wished I had a BSB in that game. Cause, <laughs> or just man. better, I don't know, it was pretty unlikely to fail so many tests like you did, but it didn't yeah. help your game, that's for sure. But it was still fairly close for the scenario win. It worked out, yeah, I, that was the first game I had tried out some 50% Lord action, so I think I was like, I don't remember how many points Monfred is, if he's 520, I think that sounds right. So, it was just barely over the twenty normal 25% allotment, but I don't think I saw anything too overpowered by doing that or anything, I think that's what I plan to use it for the most. I guess we didn't even talk about that change on the show yet, but the update to the... BRB and the FAQ. I'm pretty excited. Like, I just wanted that little bit more points beyond the 25% for my vampires. So, and I don't know. I don't feel like there's too much to fear about it besides Nagash being able to be played in a 2000 point game. Yeah, Except no. I haven't actually played Nagash besides our big mega battle, and he was pretty much an extra 1000 points at that point. So, I'd be interested to play against him or yeah. see him played when he's actually as part of the army allotment. I don't know. I haven't seen other than the gash and maybe uh, being there. Uh, I haven't seen anything that really concerns me at the the. So yeah, the new FAQ came out. Fifty percent. If you haven't seen it, fifty percent lords, fifty percent heroes are now not just an end times. It is now an official. And everybody can use the, the lore of undeath. Yeah, was in there too. So it seems the Games Workshop has come out and officially via FAQ and rule that this end time stuff is really official for in games kind of use because via you can kind of infer that from the FAQ. From the Nagash supplement, I haven't seen a whole lot that really jumps off the page and, and makes me shiver too bad other than Nagash himself. From uh which I think when you use Nagash himself, I think it can be a little bit of a rock, paper, scissors depending on, you know, if somebody How takes him off the table for well, <laughs> yeah. cannons or you know, you can dwellers them 
somebody gets a lucky That's dollars true. off on him or uh <laughs> or a lucky uh uh turns him to gold yeah, it's just one shot kill, you know, one transmutation of Yeah, he's one big guy and that's a thousand points down yep. the drain. So turn one, whew, he's gone. <laughs> Golden statue. So yeah. much for the end times. So. He yeah. looks like a hood on Exactly. So I haven't seen any of the Glockin stuff yet really, other than a few pictures online. No, it's of, pretty much like just yesterday, all that yeah. stuff is kinda my, co- my copy is sitting at, at Pegasus Games waiting for me to pick it up. I just haven't had a chance to zip over there with all the stuff that's been going on. Funny enough, I have one right here in front of me. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of looking over your shoulder last night, so I had a little Halloween shindig <laughs> here at the house, and and Kenny stopped by and had it. I was kind of looking over his shoulder uh, for a little bit at, at the uh, new books. So what, is there know, anything in there that really jumps off the page? I've heard some, some rumors about Carl Franz. That's being, what all I've heard, too, is the big whine about Carl Franz being horribly overpowered or something. Well, I don't know about a whine. It's... <laughs> So I, I guess I think of it kind of like War Machine and Hordes a little bit. How they have like the uh, the epic levels, or the, in their narrative, but they have like epic versions of some of the Warcasters and an alternate storyline to take it in that direction. So they have better stats and they have different weapons and different spells. And I guess that's kind of how I see this. Where in this line, Paul Franz is coming back, and they have this ascended version, which works within this scenario where he's has more power imbued in him. And he can kick some butt. He didn't even know. Uh, is it Deathclaw or Stormclaw? Oh, Deathclaw, I think. Deathclaw, I think, is his big oh, yeah. birdie. And by the way, this is I like this about uh, this end times is where you have the giant uh, monsters and the giant uh, stat uh, person on the on the monster is one stat line, and so you can't one shot them with a cannonball. I mean, they'll have like seven or eight or nine wounds. A combined profile. I really like that change too. Just like the only it. thing is, it kind of sucks. Like the end times dudes are the only ones who have it right I, now. I so. feel like it's a sign of where yeah. Warhammer's going to go in the next edition. It is, seems reasonable to me. I, I think okay. you're, they're going to have a mechanism that if you buy a dragon upgrade for your character, that there's some mechanism that you're able to combine that profile. Like the dwarf shield bearers, kind of. They just it adds number wounds. Yeah, number of wounds, use the best strength value or something of the two, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like I guess the only thing I think is kind of weird about it is like you have a completely combined profile, so they don't really have separate attacks anymore. Like I think all the attacks you're making are just counted as like the one model, so that gets kind of crazy when you add like four more attacks to like your vampire lord or something like that because he's riding a dragon. It doesn't seem too unreasonable, but when you get figure like magic weapons and other special abilities like that, it can get. Yeah, it sounds like it gets kind of out of hand at that point. So, I would. It's a little more beneficial would, for the character. Yeah, I could see a, like an ideal like like combination of that if it worked more like cavalry, where you use the best stat and like they have like so many more wounds and stuff like that, but they still have like a separate attacking profile. But your defending profile is going to be like combined, and you just use the best in that way. That's what I'd like to see, but. The way they did it isn't exactly quite like that, but I like how it gives these big guys more of a presence, I guess, on the table. They can maybe stick around and actually do some damage for a change. It definitely gives you a reason, and we're, and we're kind of guesswork at this point, but it definitely gives you a reason to take, like, like who brings... You never see a griffin or a manacore pretty much ever on the table. 
at, at this point because a four wound, no armor save, toughness five monster just gets obliterated yeah. off the table. Like anything just about can just take that out. And that's, yeah, usually if you get in combat with it and that's your first target is take out that mount from under the character right away. That or, yeah, if it just gets shot off or something like that, it's not too hard because they're so, not very strong, those smaller monsters. So if you want to sell big kits, if you want to sell Carl Franz on a griffin or you want to sell... Uh, you know the man, the big giant chaos lord on a manicore, and and have people actually excited about buying that kit. We've got to do. They got to do something to fix it. And maybe this is a sign of where they're going. Yeah, yeah. Dragons. We don't see dragons barely no. anymore. Dragon riders. And I definitely would make. You know, if I could take a a dark elf dreadlord on a dragon and get his toughness <laughs> six in five wounds or something like that, or toughness six in six wounds or something, that would be. You know, yeah. and a, and then get the ability to have a four of warward save on that model. Oh, heck yeah. I'll yeah. take them then. And, like, the 50% change was, like, kind of necessary to be wanting to have these bigger models in there, too. Because in yeah. a normal game, you didn't have much points for yeah. fitting those guys. So, it seems like they're focused to try and get these bigger models in there and have people actually buy them. <laughs> it's probably their bigger focus. But I think it's cool to actually see these big guys do some damage for a change. Yeah, looking for the powers here, too. I mean, it's really... With all the spells that are buffing and all the abilities, you know, that's, that's going to that one already impressive stat line, putting that up. You know, a surprise in here that I did not see in any of the leaks, but I was flipping through, flipping through this last night, and so I love the model for Festus, the Leech Lord, and I don't have him, and I'm trying to find him. I'm like, oh, get him and paint him and maybe use him. Uh, I don't play Warriors of Chaos, though, but they threw him in here, and they have a, a version of him, too, uh, like an Ascendant version, like Carl Franz. They have Festus Empowered who's the gardener of Nurgle in this one. And so they're giving him, he's up to 320 points. And I'm not going to read what it does here in the book, but he's got uh, good stats and a lot of extra stuff, and he's, he's really worth it now, too. And as they go through and they have Epidemius and some of the Nurgle stuff, you know, already we all know, nobody likes facing Nurgle demons with things with the mark of Nurgle in there. But now you got this amazing army. you got the combined legions with the, the, uh, the, the Chaos Warriors, the, uh, the demons, and the beastmen. The beastmen can have the marks of their gods now. So it's like two points for each of the... It's two points for most of the gods, one point for Slanesh. But they have uh, they have all the rules to have a demon army as the, the chaos of legions that we knew about. And they have the instabilities gone, and instead they get uh, unbreakable and unstable because like this magic's pouring through. And they have uh, four pages or six pages here of doing streets of death fighting, where it's rules for fighting in the empire, like in a city. And you could of course do this anywhere in any of your games. You put down some buildings uh, that are that you make yourself from GW or an alternative line, but you put them down, and it's got different rules for fighting, like in a town, in a city, uh, and then extra stuff with the chaos rules too. And there's a reign of chaos table, with the eyes of the god table, and then some rules for ascendant. So you really get a lot in this, and stuff that even if you're not doing end times, I would be able to pull a lot of stuff out of this. I'd want to play, like you know, Dad and Peg. I'd want to try this one day, and if we do, if we do a mega battle for this book, well, sorry, when we do a mega battle for this book, you know, throw these in there too. So I think that you definitely get uh, a lot out of this book in addition to the stats the monsters and fighting the battles that they talk about in the in the fluff book it's like you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of good rules out of this so i'm looking forward to that it's going to be neat check that beastman finally so yeah i didn't actually see it yet but it did combine all the chaos then i guess i was quest- i kind of figured it would do that but it, i didn't really hear anything about it is that a big deal to anybody <laughs> I, I, I think I think from a Beastman player perspective, there's they probably got the biggest stuff. benefit out of it. Yeah, they can take like I wonder <laughs> I can how do demon princes work now? Stuff. Can they take like the chaos? Can demons take the whatever the chaos warriors? D 
demon prince that's actually better than theirs or whatever. It's a combined list now, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah three I was just wondering which one would get the have, demon. They have really big. You forget how many units the, the, the cast warriors have. And so you look at this page that lists all the things you could take, which models are eligible. And I, I don't know, the happiest thing for me was Centicors. Yay, I want to see them on the table again. Those are the ones that are drunk, right? The ones that are like the Centaurs. Yeah, we probably won't <laughs> see them on the table again. <laughs> I, I, I just want to see them on the table again. Uh, yeah, this is there's a huge full page of this. There's the price for the marks to give your beastmen. Uh, again, fifty percent up in heroes, fifty percent in lords, and, and you and it's just changing the rules a little bit to uh, I think make yeah, to be even specifically when they when they point out how demonic instability changes in the gods. They have a note that says designer's note. This is done. You may notice this. This is deliberate because of the end times in this scenario. So I think it's very, very clear what they do here. I think the, the Beastman ambush rules, I don't have a book, but I think this looks better. Uh, they have an updated version of the ambush chart in here for the Beastmen. They have their characters. Um, yeah, I, I think you're going to get a lot of ideas, especially for Beastman players, and I would like to try Beastman one day. I think this would make them, uh, like the Tomb Kings were, you know, a lot more viable deal with the, uh, the current time. And they have some different versions in, in the Rain of Cast and the, the Dark Eyes of the God table, too. Like when you, if you roll a 12, and you get uh, two options instead of just becoming a demon, there's different things that can happen to you if you already are a demon and things like that, or you already have a mark. So, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to trying this, but I'm excited about this. The models are gorgeous. The artwork is even better than, than in a Gash book, which is already really good. And it might just be the subject matter, and you know, there's more color with this, but it's really fantastic. Uh, and I'm liking this. And this, I think this is a good setup for the Elf book, too, if that is going to be the third book that we see in a couple months. But yeah, I can spend all the time talking about this and probably talk about this on a future show. But, uh, and even, now I will say, if you go through the fluff book, uh, there are spoilers right away. If you, if, you, if you get the fluff book and you flip through like I did before you read it, you all spoil some stuff for yourself, but that's fine. Because when they show the armies, uh, did you guys have the Nagash book? Yeah, I have the Nagash book and I'm almost finished reading it. So when you go through the fluff book and you get to the battles and there's a two-page spread that breaks down the units that are there, it'll have like the general... A secondary character, and they'll have the regiments, and they'll have a picture like your artillery, a picture of your spearman, or whatever. They have that too, and maybe some of the characters that we thought were gone or are not going to be back for a while. You, know, you see them leading an army in here. But the big thing I did see this also is that this book goes into the, the undead and the vampire fighting together. The vampire and the, and the uh, undead go into allies in this book. So that was kind of interesting. Manfred's mm -hmm. in here too. Uh, near the end of one of the battles, but this this not only jumps through the the chaos uh, miracle army coming into the empire, but it also jumps into that alliance of the empire and the undead versus the chaos. Interesting. Uh, and the Bretonians too. They have one at the end. Like, uh, and then you have, of course, the dead versions of those casualties coming back to serve the dead, as Vlad von Elector Count Vlad von Karstein leads his army of the dead, which a lot of these are Bretonians and empires that were killed that are coming back. Uh, you know, marching to his beats, uh, and, and they have a, a combined army. Uh, that's the wrong word. They have a an alliance of empire and Bretonian to face the chaos in this, which I don't. I don't see any rules for that in the book as a combined legions of men army. But you know, the rules about the Bretonians. Need your one undeath wizard. <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the next book, probably. I think, I think yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes from there because this is kind of like. It's supposed to be some of the stories like simultaneous with like the Nagash book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is coming on one side and the Nagash thing going on. 
just like the elf book would be what's happening on the other side, you know, on the elf side of the world. So there is like the next book should be an elf book, is what everybody's saying. Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually buy into that one and subscribe to that. I think that's what that's what it's, they're gonna do. It sounds good. Have a chance to move to another part of the world, uh, and you know, give people time to get some books out. That being you know, too many things piling on one place at the same time. I think that's what it's gonna be. But anyway, that's that's my immediate ramblings. But I'm, I'm really happy with this. So the moral of the story is get it and play one of these games. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. To- well, I'm pretty. It's pretty cool, and I'm pretty excited to see kind of where it all goes. I feel like I don't know if it's just because it just came out. I feel like it has a little less enthusiasm for this book than like the first End Times thing. Like people kind of seem to know what to expect a little bit already, but it's still pretty cool. So uh, there's, I think everybody really like you look at Nagash and that model. Like you might. Like, like, look at him and go, yeah, it's a hair over engineered or something like that. But all in all, <laughs> like, you look at Nagash and and the and the the history that Nagash has had with the Warhammer world over time, and that's just like super awesome, cool. And then he just this release, <laughs> there are a lot of people are just not fans of Nurgle, and this release seems to be kind of Nurgly chaos orientated. I was kind of disappointed that of it's very Nurgly. Like Nurgle is like I'm a fan of Nurgle myself. So I think Nurgle's cool. Mm-hmm. My old warriors way back when Nurgle was very bad to take in warriors <laughs> in, in any kind of army. That's when I started building my warriors army, and I, I built it around Nurgle. You know, the, it, all these big kits are pretty ugly looking. You know, <laughs> I mean they should be though. I mean they're they're if, grotesque, yeah, monstrous, disgusting giant lo- giant looking kits. And if you're not if you're not into that if you're not into that kind of gross fetid nurgleus it's kind of like ah man these are a bunch of models that <laughs> just don't pop to me whereas like the Nagash model I, people there were people that had you know varying issues with the figure itself but nobody said like this model just isn't appealing to me at all really yeah that's true because I definitely don't have any interest in any of the nurgle stuff but. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Being I'm interested to see how big the Glotkin dude is because it looks pretty massive, along with those other his Mortark kind of versions, whatever they are called. I don't remember, but <laughs> I'm interested to see some of the models. So hopefully, some of the guys will have some around because they're big and cool and shiny. I think you will. <laughs> I, I gotta wonder if Hobby Killer is gonna get one of these Glotkins. Like, Ooh, another Nurgle demon to put down the table. Ha! Ah. I don't know. I was really weirded out by the fact that those the infantry dudes on the 40 mil bases aren't monstrous infantry like i don't know that just seems really weird to me so i'm not sure why they did that i think it's a design thing from what i've heard is that they just they made them it was tough, it was difficult to put them on the base but like on a, on a 25 by 25 base and so they did this which i, I would believe because it's it still works i think it's just they made them too big yeah i guess that's kind of sad that's just like a, it would be a weird fix like that but I don't know. Weird, I don't yeah. see any reason why they're not monstrous infantry. So it just seems kind of weird to put something out of the ordinary. Because like the model's that. not big enough to actually stomp something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It can belly bop you or say it drops his gut on you. But you know, not having three attack. I'm, I'm not looking forward to facing any more Nurgle than I already do. But you know, if, if I do, it's nice to know that they only have one attack and then three supporting attacks. I'll yeah. go for that. Yeah, it's kind of nice in Madison. We don't have a ton of of Nurgly awfulness to deal with but. yeah i think that's why i'm not too thrilled about it and say i don't like nurgle in general because it is kind of sucky to play against lately and it seems very popular amongst the demons too to have the nurgle stuff in there 
anyway, that's a lot of rambling about that stuff. All right, so... Should probably carry on. Yeah, let's go ahead and start talking army transports. So, number of solutions out there. Let's start with talking about the lowest cost type solutions. You know, I'm a new guy. I'm just getting into the game. How do I get my army from my home to the store? You know, where I'm not necessarily banging around my models, having them bounce around in a bin or something like that. Heck, maybe the bin is just getting them there. Yeah, it seems like a lot of times when you first start out, I mean, it takes a while to build the army and everything like that. So a lot of times it's like you got your starter box set and it's like you're carrying them around in that battalion box or just like a cardboard box thing for quite a while. But then when you get them painted, you will want them a little more organized, that's for sure. But usually it's just some kind of crate, like a cardboard box or something like that. It's usually something that costs pretty much nothing when you first start out. Yeah, no, we and we've uh, even upgraded that to the uh, a plastic tote bin, essentially. You know, like something that's maybe six or eight inches tall, uh, a couple feet long, about foot, foot and a half wide, uh, kind of you know with a lid. So at least then you know you can stack you can stack stuff on top of your army without having to worry about the models being crushed. And usually that's a fairly affordable next step um, if you do go that route. I always find uh, if you there's a, a product out there that you can you, you can buy at least here in the U.S. that and I it's available everywhere you go to like the whatever section of the store where you like wash dishes you can, they're like a you can use them for like bath mats um, but I don't like those they tend to be a little more stickier or you can get ones that would be for like lining your uh, it's like shelf liner drawer shelf liner, liner kind drawer of liner yep yeah. exactly uh, and those work wonderfully for helping especially if your troops are mag you know magnetized because there are a lot of expenses when you're first getting started not only do you have expensive models you're trying to buy you want to have them you know quasi reasonably protected in some kind of transport mechanism but that's an extra expense like if you want to buy like a a full-blown expensive solution um with a pre-canned pre-built uh kind of transport system and we're going to talk about those later, you, you could be dropping $100, $150, $200 just to have a transport system for your army from a commercially sold resource on top of having to drop three, four, five, six hundred dollars $600 to get, get yourself to a 2000 2400 2500 3000 point list, 3,000 points worth of actual models. Yeah, I think it would be kind of overwhelming to dive into one of those like dedicated army transport cases too because... I think when you're first starting out, it's like you're kind of figuring out what models you want to play, and I mean, you're changing a lot of stuff, and yeah, I think those ones seem more dedicated to only fitting like certain things when you like customize them, so it's kind of hard to dedicate that much money to something that seems kind of uncertain when you don't know what you're going to be wanting to necessarily bring to the store regularly or wherever you're transporting them, and like a tote bin or whatever is pretty much universal. You can throw anything that'll fit in there in any particular order, so that's been one of my favorite things that yeah. I've actually used lately. Not to mention you're not having to, you know, when you're using the cardboard box or the plastic tote bin, uh, you, it's not a solution that you're you're carting it to the maybe the game store or to your buddy's garage or wherever it, it is. You're not transporting it. It's not really going on that. an airplane. It's going in a car. <laughs> you know, if you're really worried about it, you're like hyper nervous about it. Like I can get be, I can get to be with certain armies that I transport when I have them in the plastic tote bin. Um, they ride right up in the passenger seat with me. <laughs> you know, you know, right in the front of the car. So, uh, 
you know, there's, uh, you got those, and, the, and it gives you a, a solution that's very universal to, like you said, uh, to being able to, it doesn't matter what the size and shape pretty much is of the model that mm-hmm. you're carrying. It does offer limited protection. That's pretty much kind of what you're saying. I mean, if it's in your care and you're carrying it around, it's going to be pretty, it's definitely good for that, And but it's not going to handle getting flipped over or <laughs> yeah, thrown I mean, on its side or anything. If you trip like and that. fall or <laughs> somebody tosses it or whatever, yeah. it fall, you know, gets pushed off a table with your models in it. If you don't have a lid for it, if you don't move up to the plastic tote and you don't have a lid, it's just a cardboard box and and your kid or your girlfriend, your wife or boyfriend or whatever it might be puts their potted plant on top of the box and it <laughs> falls in. You bye bye. Your models. expensive models yeah. are are <laughs> crushed. So then you could kind of one of the things that I know when when new players are kind of looking at is there's the uh, there's the egg foam crate foam which is kind of nice yep and it's typically in like uh you know here in wisconsin we have a uh, a very active uh hunting industry so guns are are very predominant in most of our where we are here in, in the state and that means gun cases and gun cases are all lined with this egg foam uh kind of foam which makes you can you get a nice you can go down to the uh hardware uh, sporting goods store and pick up a, like a, a pistol or a rifle case for twenty, twenty-five, thirty dollars. Very reasonable price you know, for the really protection. not too yeah. bad. Yeah, and literally you have the universal since it's like egg foam, you know. It, you know, so the foam is literally about the shape and size of an egg, which is perfect for a single infantry model or, or a single cavalry model. It goes in there, holds it in place, and then you get the bonus of having a nice plastic hard plastic or even metal hard protective outer case to protect your figures from getting tossed around stuff set on them as well so that's a nice kind of segue into you know if you're looking at yeah a very uh, cost effective version of some good protection i don't use that for a long time i've never actually ventured into that i had some tool cases i actually got from when i worked at true value that i was going to line with that but it was kind of kind of hard to find the egg crate foam for a reasonable price when it wasn't coming in a case already so i never actually did that I feel like you're a little limited to what you can fit in there. I mean, you're not going to be able to put like monsters or anything like that. Some of the bigger stuff isn't really going to quite fit. But I actually managed uh, to with like my dark elves, the old dragon. I managed oh, you even to get got that those in, there. in there. Wow. Yeah. You must have kind of hollowed some out. Ho- hollowed out a little space for it, and it was kind of its dedicated space where it would sit. I see. Now, some of these like super massive. Yeah, and the gash kits, isn't like going to go. Gash, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's the best solution to transport them in, but. There's definitely possibilities in that even as well. Yeah, those bigger models and stuff even seem like kind of almost like an anomaly. And the, there's no real good way to transport them. Like I know I've seen a lot of stuff for trying to transport a terrorgeist. It's like there's no real good way to go about it just because the model takes up so much area. A lot of people have magnetized like wings and stuff like that, so they can pull off and make it a little more compact, easy to transport. But still, just the bigger models, it's kind of hard to keep track of them in any sensible way. But you were leading to the segue to the actual kind of model protection cases, the ones kind of built for it. There's plenty of options out there from retailers. So I think before we kind of segue here, Kenny, have you have you used any of these the the the, the lower cost or or more uh, newer player kind of cases or transport methods? And you know, when I started like 20 years ago, we did gun cases. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. And the little pistol cases, 
uh, up to the bigger gun case that have that egg crate in there. And for the fantasy stuff, you can really put your models at different angles so they fit in there. You can get more in there, but still be like, still get plenty in to get that protection. And then uh, when I got here, I found out about the whole tote bin. I was watching people do that. And for fantasy, that's, that's, that's a nice place you can put them down on a tray. You know, they can already be sitting on their unit on the unit trays and movement trays. You put them down, and as long as you put some kind of padding in between, uh, I think that's very helpful. I would recommend that if, you, if you're a person that gets packages delivered to your house, uh, or if you can get access to, like the packing peanuts, uh, or little, you know, little balloons that they blow up, that they put in uh, when you get a, a package in the mail, yeah, like air pack or something, yeah, little air pack things. Or just uh, even sometimes I use a, a, like a towel, a, or a bath towel or something, and just wrap it in there. You could you can get the padding in there so that if you do have an accident or you do take a, a hard turn in your car, it doesn't go flying off. Doesn't ruin That's your army. <laughs> yeah, little things you can do. Uh, you know, if your army is magnetized, then it's less of an issue. But still, I, I think there's ways to to mitigate each of these and make them work for you. And yeah, I've I've been trying them out, and I, mean, I have some cases, uh, and I have I've had cases where you know I had an ogre army which I got rid of, but I had to go through and I had to pull out from the GW. I had to pull out like the dividers. So each one of those was actually big enough to put an ogre in, but it was two miles per one. And now that those are gone, I have that. I have that ripped up foam that I have to use for something. So, you know, it's, it's always there in the background. But I think, yeah, for new players, a gun case is a really good way to go. Uh, and the tote bin, as long as you put some padding in there or something to make sure that you don't have to worry about them falling off and going all over the place, uh, that, that's probably a good start. Yeah, I think the tote, I mean, the tote bin is one I actually am using right now. There's a lot of different varieties of bins, and I actually have, like, these stacking, locking ones now. But I think the crucial bit is those extra little things. Like, they really ideally magnetized in, like, the grip liner to keep them from sliding. And then even, yeah, extra bits of foam in there to kind of keep the spacing of them is really essential if you want to be able to carry them around regularly without worrying about them too much in the tote bins. And one thing, I don't think we really mentioned it yet, but I... like a big thing to consider is like protection versus like how fast you can actually set up your army. Like for a long time I was using a sable case with my guys and it would just take forever to set up all the individual like infantry models into their units. So being able to just pull them out when they're all on the tray magnetized, ready to go from the tote is really awesome. It like the setup time flies when you have big infantry armies or just bigger units like that in general. So that's a big thing to consider and, one thing that I really liked about switching to the Topin was that my models were there, ready to go, just a lot faster. So setup wasn't as big of an issue. Talked a little bit about having some issues with some of those kind of cases. And definitely, you know, I, I think as I moved to Battle Foam, that's definitely been a problem for me. I'm kind of adjusting to that now. It's going to take me longer to get things set up. Then we can kind of move into model protection uh, and things you can do. We've kind of mentioned like egg, that egg crate foam is really kind of a nice solution for protecting your models. Definitely also part of the transport solution is, is ease of setup and getting to be able to play and gameplay as well. And so you start talking magnetic movement trays, not only allow you for gameplay to make things just easier models have to sit on a tray like in a precarious position like half hanging off a hill or something you know they're protected during gameplay and it makes you easier for gameplay but also for setup if you've got a unit of models and they're magnetized and that magnet works pretty well 
no matter your storage solution, whether it's a plastic bin or a commercial storage solution like a, a pluck foam or something, you can put that unit on the tray and put that into your storage solution uh, and have it fairly well protected. The models aren't going to slide around much. Of course, if they pop off their magnets or you know pop off the tray or something like that, they may bang against each other, but definitely magnetic trays work there. Yeah, I've actually seen people like magnetize their cases along with the trays too. So that kind of eliminates the need for foam. Like I've seen kind of like toolboxes and stuff like that where there'll be a sheet of magnet in the bottom. Their movement trays are like metal and then the guys are also magnetic too. So the tray actually sticks to the the transport case as well. So that will hold them pretty much in the one spot too. So that's actually pretty neat. I don't think I've seen too many people do that locally. I think maybe uh, Dustin's done it. I know Craig yeah. Craig kind of had some kind of magnetic case a long time ago yeah, when he was too. playing. But Yeah, no, Dustin's even got it so that he's got, uh, like, with his demons, if the model's kind of tall and awkward or something like that, so it's too tall to stand up from the bottom of the tray, uh-huh. It mag- he'll mag- it's magnetized and he'll stick it to the side, stick of, it on the, the side of it. side of the case. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And then magnets do offer a lot, I guess I mentioned with the Terrorgeist, but as far as like fiddly big banner bits and stuff like that, you can actually magnetize those, like the big wings on the Terrorgeist and stuff like that. So you can still assemble your model to look good on the table, but then you're going to be able to like kind of disassemble these more fragile, big, awkward pieces to actually fit them in a case or whatever. So that seems to be a pretty new thing as of late. People are doing that with the little rare earth magnets. I haven't really done anything like that myself as far as using it to actually put options on models or whatever but that's a option for transporting stuff yeah yeah definitely and i've seen a lot of a lot of those little rare earth magnets uh used for for magnetic basing Mm -hmm. so for the movement tray so definitely some options there with you know if you if your models aren't sliding on the tray that you're putting them on you know you can take that put it into your storage solution your transport solution and and then be able to uh, not have to worry about it. And then it, it is nice. When you get it there, you're setting up right away. You're just picking out mm-hmm. the unit right off the tray. Oh, maybe, oh, hey, this time this game, I'm not using these three guys. Pop them off, set them to the side. There, I'm ready to go. That unit's set up. Next, next, next. And there's nothing, nothing kind of worse, I think, than just sitting there going, Okay, now we're setting up our game, and I've got to wait an extra 20 minutes for you to get your army out. And, you know, it takes us 20 minutes to kind of figure out who's playing each other, so we've been to the store for almost an hour before we're <laughs> before finally able to throw dice, dice and yeah. figure out who's going to deploy. Because that was one real big thing, like, before I got my guys magnetized and stuff like that, just setting up so many zombies, so many skeletons, and it's it was just really rough, and it was unfortunate to take that long doing it, so. Yeah, Exactly. So then we kind of talk about, you kind of mentioned Battle Foam and we've mentioned Sable. Uh, let's, cause Sable was kind of the first one here in Wisconsin, the first real, and maybe the first real army transport solution. They had, they had the you know, Sable cases, they literally were called army transport. Yep. They're basically using a system known as Pluck Foam or referred to as Pluck Foam, where the, the, foam is kind of a it's a it's a they have a pre-built bag that's then they make foam sections of varying thicknesses that you literally can uh pull out the pluck the foam out and it's pre kind of cut in little yeah, squares like to kind of shape so that you can put uh shape you can 
create your own shapes for whatever size models you want to carry in that thickness of foam. So if it's a, a bigger model, like say a chariot, you can get a deeper piece of foam that would fit in your kit, your, your sable transport case, and then you could put your pluck pieces of foam out until you had a space that would fit your chariot. You pop your chariot in there, it should move around much. Uh, worst case scenario, you still got a bit of that pluck foam, you can always put it on the top of it, and then you stack the next and then you would stack the next piece of foam, uh, next sable tray, which is a, with a foam tray, on top of that to keep the whole thing from moving around inside the transport case. Mm-hmm. And you have one of those, right, Brian? Yeah, I, that was like the first thing I got to transport my dudes around. I bought one of those cases right away. They usually come loaded, like with a set of foam, and you can always buy extra trays and stuff like that. And that was just kind of what I had for the longest time. Like most of my units, I didn't really make too well of use for like the pluck foam of it like i have two trays that are more or less just hollowed out into three sections of bin and i would just dump like this unit goes in this bin and it's just the whole thing of zombies was just like dumped in there and i did the same thing with my skeleton so i wasn't really utilizing the pluck foam that well but for like my metal models i did actually like pretty much pluck out a regular like out it was like a two by six square size of theirs for each individual metal model to have their own like spot and more or less had a grid arrangement of them in the tray and that offered a lot of protection but then you're still pulling like each individual guy and i mentioned earlier like i really didn't like the fact you were kind of over customizing it like if you change it you're either carrying like everything you have you're carrying extra stuff or you're like having to constantly rebuy these things like every time you want to include a new unit in your force i mean you're gonna have to you have limited space in that bag and every spot is fairly customized for the model you put in there so i didn't really like that it was hard to commit to what models to actually go in the bag and then if you get something new and you're like out of space you pretty much have to like redo the whole thing or if you have if you're actually filling the whole bag with your force you might have to like rebuy like everything for it and then figure out how it's all gonna fit so I didn't really like that that much. I used it for my vampire counts for the longest time, and I was carrying probably like three or four thousand points down to the store just because that's what it took to like fit everything in there. And there was a lot of kind of wasted space and that wasted effort and carrying that and switching to the back to the tote. It kind of is backwards as far as model protection goes, maybe, but it was way easier. I'm only putting in there exactly what my list is for that night. I'm not carrying anything extra. It just fits in there a lot easier so i really didn't like how customizable it was just because of varying forces i felt like you had to change it too often and it's kind of pricey if you're rebuying that foam all the time so so i think uh, kind of sum that up the biggest things that the sable case did provide was greater protection for the model very good protection yeah but it was definitely a little more a bit more of a hassle than when you're getting to the table you're and you're setting up your models and setting up a game having to kind of pull all the models yeah. out uh, very similar um, we'll, we'll mention battle foam kind of uh, at the same time here battle foam is a very similar product mm-hmm. they do have foam products that are pre-cut that you can buy yeah. uh, based on certain model releases um, both for Games Workshop and a, and a whole number of model lines. But they also have the Pluck Foam solution, which I find most people that use Battle Foam probably use as much, if not more, of the Pluck Foam than they ever use of the pre-cut designs. 
Probably. There's quite a lot of varying model size and fantasy and stuff like that. So yeah, the pre-cut stuff is mostly like infantry or cavalry, I think, or something like that. I do like that the battle foam stuff's like the sable case is rather small. I mean, it's nice and compact, but you can't fit much stuff in there. It seems like a lot of the battle foam ones are of a larger size and actually give you a little more room to actually carry the stuff. You know, I have a word of caution though with the battle foam there because I have all the I have pretty much all the pre-cut stuff. And I got it. I got the dwarves before the new dwarf book came out, and now a lot of this stuff doesn't fit in there. And even when you do cut it, like I got for my lizards, I got I had a case made that had all the cuts for the different flyers and the different big monsters they had to stick it on. Uh, and and it, it doesn't really work quite the way I wanted it to do because yeah, they have it and it's cut to a certain like, shape there. But if you are building your your troglodyte or your carnosaur different, and say you have something that sticks out a little bit more, then all of a sudden you're blocked from getting that in there. Because it has to be tight enough so that you have protection, but I'm having difficulty sometimes. I have to like pry the the, the foam apart as I put it in there. It's got to be right at the right angle, and if it snaps on a piece, it might snap off. So I mean, it's, so I guess a word of caution too. It's the pre-cut stuff is very tempting. You'd be like, oh great, I don't have to worry about doing a pluck foam. And if you have like an awkwardly shaped model, but I would recommend if if you do have something that's really weirdly shaped, that you do a, a pluck foam thing there, or even if you design yourself on the on the app. And you just draw a, a shape of a certain dimension, and after you measure the model that you actually made, that you already assembled, as opposed to having them drop your pre-cut one in there. Because uh, I've had some problems with that, and it, honestly, I don't think I would ever do that again. I think if I ever got another case from Battle Foam, I would just create my own. And I, even, maybe not even Pluck Foam, but I would be able to, to get, like, I would do, I'd measure the dimensions, and then I would have that circle or square or whatever put in there without having to worry about what they cut. Because it's been kind of a pain in the butt for my lizard men. A lot of them get broken. That kind of sucks. I, I definitely hadn't really thought of that. I know like, I've gotten a couple of Battle Foam products now, Battle Foam bags, and and I've got my own little complaints with them, but the pre-cut foam was kind of... The pre-cut foam I have is all the really, really generic like troop foam, so I haven't bought anything that was customized for a specific army or race to see how that worked. And just something to think about. Um, I was really into it. I was excited about it. And like the dwarfs even, I mean, I'm sure you see when I bring them to Peg, the gyrocopters, the old one was set up for a gyrocopter and I had an extra tray for the war machine and they don't fit in. Like the ones that were for any of the, any of the war machines that were, that are cannons or guns, they were, the thing was not big enough so they would move around. So sometimes I put a standard bearer that's too tall to sit in there. I put him in there next to one of them so that he has space and I think they don't bump around as much. With the gyrocopters, uh, all the new ones, they keep breaking. The, the foam is not deep enough, so the top of the propeller just cuts off. Uh, so I have to put that back on. And it really, I really had some difficulty. And the dwarves themselves, and the one I have, the, all the new dwarfs, uh, even without me putting on their basing, they don't fit in there now. So like all the grit weapons that stick out to the side with the hammers and the long beards, they don't fit in there. Sometimes my shields will break. And yeah, I just, I, I, was, I would really recommend uh, either doing a custom thing measuring your models first and, and making those dimensions because you may build them with different bases or different weapons if you have conversions or just maybe getting a sample one. I got a, I, it was two, three years ago for their Black Friday sale, which I don't know when this episode's going to go up, but it's probably worth noting that that they always have a really good Black Library sale. Black Library, I'm sorry, Black Friday <laughs> sale. <laughs> I, I'm looking at Black Library's website, so I'm, I'm crossing my streams. But they always have a really good sale and you can get something if you want to maybe just try out. You can get one tray by itself for really cheap and decide, you know, maybe is this what I want to do when I go back and do a bigger order? Because, uh, yeah, I've wasted a lot of money on it. So just as a cautionary tale, 
it's good stuff. It's a good product, but you got to really know what you're doing. You got to have some practice. Otherwise, you'll be like me and waste a bunch of money. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it too. It's just kind of really customized, and then you're kind of locked into whatever you customized it for, and then you have to rebuy it all <laughs> if you want to switch it out if you're looking for that much protection. So it's it was definitely overkill. So I've never even gone beyond the sable case and. Like you were saying, I've broken plenty of my models, putting them in and out of the case just because they didn't quite fit right, just using the pluck foam. It's like either it's really tight, and then, I mean, it's really secure when it's in there, but then a lot of things get snapped when I'm taking them in and out or just when they're in there from too much pressure on them. That or if you pluck it a little bigger, then it's too slappy and stuff is flopping around, and it's not really any point to having the foam then at that point. So it seems very fiddly, but it's very good when it works right, I guess. Yep. And that's my piece. The one thing I, I kind of noted, and I'm having the two products to compare against, and I have, there are other products out there that are worth mentioning. The Sable cases and the Battle Foam cases, price point, they're about the same. Battle Foam cases, if you're looking for a foam solution, you're looking for that extra protection, perhaps you're going to travel, get on an airplane, take a bus or something like that, some kind of public transportation you're going Heck, it's even a really long trip, and you're going to be in, you know, you're going to be in a car for ten hours. You might want. You're definitely looking at more of a. And you're going to a, a, a big turning, or you're at the point where you've put such an investment in man hours in painting and building and assembling and customizing your army that now at this point, every piece is super precious and if it gets a ding it's going to take you forever to fix it maybe you're a contender for best appearance where you need this extra protection then yes these are really good solutions for you from the battle foam i don't like the case nearly as much so i I, that i i've got a the pack air and then i don't remember which model of case i have for that i've been using recently um that i picked up at pegasus games um and they carry battle foam but it's uh it's just too wide and so i find myself banging the case against things as i'm trying to walk through uh spaces and whatever uh it it was just kind of a hassle now that being said when i took that saying i took use that case to take my army to screw city gt and this is the first time i've taken a battle phone case to a gt and there were a lot of battle phone cases at screw city i thought i kind of was eyeballing it uh it worked really well it was it was a great solution for that that particular event because i got out the army once it sat up i had my display board i hauled that from table to table when it got done you know round five i found my battle foam case it was right there at the table my army was kind of small too but it was nice just kind of pop everything went in place and then i was back into the car transport perfect yours isn't a hard case though is it so Your all the bat- yeah, both of my battle foam cases are hard cases. Oh, are they all hard cases? I thought they uh, had no. Soft they do have a ones. soft case okay. solution as well. Mine are hard cases. I, I have, see. So the the smaller bag I have is a plastic outside, uh-huh. and the larger bag that I have is the pack air is got literally quarter inch like plywood. Oh really? Wow, I didn't know they got that heavy into it. And the problem with the pack air is while it's advertised to be within uh airport transport levels it's too big it's too big for carry-on carry yeah oh, okay even though that's kind of advertised that way we when we went to san francisco it was too big huh. and so we chose not to take it so when i went up to san francisco since i i wanted to be i wanted to have my army as a carry-on i put it in a i put it in a uh 
luggage on my normal luggage. You used like the foam trays still? Yeah, I took the took I took some of the foam trays case. from the battle foam and packed everything in there, and then used uh, uh, and then packed it all in tight, and then took a bunch of clothes and packed that uh-huh. around the foam trays. Take my and I was taking dwarves, so the door you know dwarf army is fairly compact at twenty five hundred points. You know, it's easy to get into a lot of little small foam trays. Dwarf models are pretty hardy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, they're pretty hardy. Most of my <laughs> models were the old metal models, so as long as they're you know, there's not a lot of bits that are gonna snap or break. So it was a it was a it tight. was a decent solution. Yeah, it was probably packed tighter on the way back than it was on the way there. Ah. And I definitely only had on the way there. I was the only t- only time I had a model break, and it was just a gyrocopter. The when the old metal gyrocopter. The blade came off and it popped off its metal stand because I had a metal stand oh. on a plastic stand. So those were those were basically the the way I did that, and that worked out pretty good too. So you could just go pie, you know, if you were looking at like transporting your army on a plane, you're going on a trip, you could just pack it right in there with your clothes and luggage mm-hmm. and take it as a carry on. Granted, you're not a lot of room left in your carry on then, but I definitely, being the first time I got on a plane and taking my army anywhere, I was really nervous about having letting the airlines stow the army. Yeah. You know, having them <laughs> toss it around and stuff. And I definitely, if that would have had been the case where I was going to have the army stowed, I would have really looked hard at getting my pack air just perfect. Mm-hmm. The partly the problem with the pack air is it was so huge, it was just way too big for my. You know, I I, I didn't use even half of it, so oh, then wow. I'm like having to fill the other half with foam that I'm then paying a bunch of money to have them mm-hmm. stow. 20, 25, 50, 40, 50 bucks possibly to have the airline stow it as a second bag. And risk it being messed up. Have them toss it around, <laughs> risk them giving it messed up. Yeah, it was a big hassle. I didn't I didn't bother to go that direction with Battle Foam uh, in that particular case. Yeah. And a no knock. I mean, I think that would have been a fine solution. I just, and I, when I had the army all packed in there, it was just too much bag. Mm-hmm. And. One of the things that are nice about the sable case is all of the, the army transport that sable case. That's a perfect carry-on size. You yeah, can always definitely. get that onto the carry-on. Heck, you might even be able to get that. They might even let you take that as a. Uh, a lot of times they'll let you take Your like second a second purse, bag second thing. like a purse or whatever, and they might even <laughs> yeah. let that you like you sneak that onto the plane as a purse where you could slip it under seat because it's Almost about that, that size. Small, yeah. You can just slip it under, and there's a lot of pockets on it for storage, like books, dice, tape mm-hmm. measures, templates. So you can get away with yeah, a lot of that. that. I guess that's the thing we didn't really mention about like some of our cheaper cases is like usually the like the sable case does have pockets and it's pretty much designed to hold a rule book, hold your dice, hold your tape measure, all that stuff in there, and that's built right into the case. So you really only have like one bag you're grabbing, and you don't really get that with like a tote bin or something like that. You always have to either carry them separate or have some other kind of separate bag or box or whatever from that. So it's pretty cool to have all your stuff in one load like that with the sable case or the battle foam and then of course there's other cases and transport solutions out there like the pelican cases i know johnny hastings says is pretty high on those they're awfully expensive (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then you're getting your custom foam and stuff like that and a lot of the foams are interchangeable between the manufacturers or just in the luggage regular luggage bag like you said you can just use the company's foam but put it in your luggage bag and that works really good i think a lot yeah, of people or have done that i I've, I've even done it done it where i took like a duffel bag and just carry and it. just put the foam right in the duffel sure. bag 
So. I've even used just the foam without a bag too <laughs> before. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I have so much extra foam laying around. Like, I got that Bretonian Army secondhand from one of the local guys, and he had uh, trays for like every single night. And I think they were numbered, and that was the only way to like get them back in there. But I have no clue like which one is supposed to fit where <laughs> or anything like that. And I've changed quite a few of them. But I have like all that foam, and it's kind of useless because it was made all to fit one night at this one time. <laughs> It's just kind of a waste now, unfortunately. So, so other cases, other solutions besides Battle Foam, Pelican, and uh, the uh, Sable Army transports. Anybody have anything else? Any other any other solutions they'd like to bring up? So, Care Multi Case. Um, did you say that earlier? Uh, nope. Because I use that one, and I'm really happy with that one. Um, I have a couple different ones, but it's a soft case, and and you can get all kinds of hard case around it. Um, I go for the, the really reinforced cardboard one. Because it's really easy to transport. I have my demons in there. Briefly, I have a one for the lizard men, and I, I found that I can use them pretty universal too for switching out different armies for even for different for different games. It's a lot cheaper. They have one in the U.S. and one in the U.K., uh, and I'm pretty happy with that. So I, I would just recommend looking at that one too. It's another custom create one where you can get like a bespoke tray, or you can get a plug foam tray. And there's website is a little bit to be desired still, but I think they've been improving it a little bit. I don't know if they sell those in stores like Battlefront is, but it's worth taking a look. It's just called KR Multicase. Huh. I don't yeah. think I've actually noticed that before you using that, but that sounds pretty reasonable. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen these before. Okay, yeah, and then they... Are these the ones that have, like, the... Like, when you pop them open, like, they have their hard cases, they have, like, shelves? No, they don't. These aren't those. They're, the one I have are the cheapest ones, which I think, you know, you get, like, 60 bucks for... 50, 60 bucks for a case. Um, there, I have like the, the cardboard reinforced around, and it closes with a little handle, so which keeps it shut, and you can move it around. And I can fit. I don't know. I guess I got maybe like a, 30, maybe like a hundred source warriors in one of those, and a couple, couple cab models. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen you using these. Yeah, I've, I've used them for a couple of different things. I use them. I've had it at Peg for the lizards, and even for the dwarves. Originally, I got one for the dwarves that I bought for the dwarves, and I was maybe not so sure about it with the new dwarf release, but I was able to fit other stuff in there. So I've been using, I've been using it for lizards. So yeah, all right. So lots of solutions to carry your army. Yeah, I think we covered all the bits and pieces I can think of. Okay, so yes. Tell Kenny we're back. Contest. Dun, dun, dun. No longer an announcement, really, but a it's winner. A wrap up. Winners, yeah, wrap up. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. Chicken dinner. All right, so yes, uh, as we all know, we were looking for some blog feedback and to help kind of encourage you guys giving us some blog feedback, we wanted to go ahead and have you email in to hosts at wiscodice.com. Please don't feel, feel free to continue to email us. <laughs> With any feedback, both about the show or regarding our blog, uh, we really appreciated the emails. They were really kind of helpful, and I think we're going to be able to use some of that feedback here in the near future to focus some target some articles and materials that are going to go up on the blog about various things that are you're looking for, you're going to find interesting. So uh, thanks, everybody, that submitted feedback. Again, we were excited. We had a great contest, but now on to the winners. So I'm going to go ahead and formally announce them on this episode. So for the winner of 
the big, mighty pack of Lore of Undeath, brand new in shrink wrap, and I think even the price tag still stuck on it, <laughs> the original price tag, it is going to go to Jonathan. Jonathan had written to us previously in the past about Lizardmen and trying to get us to talk a little more about Lizardmen on the show. Some cheese curds. We have curds. done that. There's a cheese curd and, and some other things. And now he submitted some, some info on the blog, and we're going to go ahead and send him, if we get an address from you, Jonathan, to send you a brand new copy of The Lord of Undeath. Do with it as you will, if that means sending Everybody it, can it back it. up on eBay to get it. To sell it, yeah, everybody can use it. The FAQ is helping you out. Everybody can use it, and it's a very limited product. We all know Undead are pretty cool. So. <laughs> uh, congrats, Jonathan. Nearly everybody, yeah, congrats, Jonathan. Nearly everybody <laughs> on this show plays with Undead, so hey. All right, so uh, next up, uh, we were going to give away a set of wonderful, spectacular green and gold Wisco dice. Guaranteed to roll well, win you games. Well, they're guaranteed that <laughs> they somebody will win probably games. win a game while you're playing. <laughs> this show does not does not include any exceptions for There's draw. no warranty. <laughs> <laughs> With that guarantee. So we're going to go ahead and send that set of dice to Chris, who I've... I mean, one was really kind of a, a unique and <laughs> wonderful opportunity to meet Chris here when we bumped into him at North Star back in 2012. Paul and I had and mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of a neat opportunity to kind of like oh hey this is like somebody we really didn't know and they walked up to us and said yeah I listened to your show so it was kind of one of those very early in the moments you know we'd been doing the show for almost a year at that point and you know getting one of those moments where you're at an event that we don't normally attend and somebody walks up and says yeah I listened to your show that was awesome that was really kind of a warm fuzzy That's pretty cool. and Chris is uh, going to be the winner for that so thanks everybody for like I said, providing that feedback is really awesome, and congrats to both of our winners. Both, uh, uh, yay! That probably sounds horrible. We can put in some laugh track, like applause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't let the we won't let the fan talk about uh, your uh, feedback results, though. We did not pass that through the fan because we didn't want you guys to be insulted. Uh, <laughs> that guy's a real jerk. <laughs> so what did we talk about today brian uh, we talked well we rambled for a while about the glotkin end times book and in that and then our main topic was about all about army transportation all your different options what they're good for and what you like what you don't like all right any final wrap up or thoughts on army transport uh, i don't think so i'm really happy with my I'm using right at the moment, and my army's been transporting the best it ever has with I'm, the magnets. <laughs> I'm definitely enjoying experimenting with battle foam, mm. I, but I, I think if I didn't have a significant chunk of change to kind of throw away at it right now, because I've bought all the models I want, so I now have like an empty Warhammer budget. Got to find something else. I would have spend that money on something else. <laughs> uh, but it's been an interesting and fun experiment to work with. Kenny, you have any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I've, as far as transporting goes, my my words of wisdom that I learned: if don't necessarily you, you get what you pay for, so don't necessarily go. Well, I need a case, and that one's cheap, so I'll take that because that may end up being way worse, more damaging to you, and you still end up spending more money down the road to buy one that works. Very so true. I would recommend don't don't be cheap, especially if it's like five or ten bucks, you know, and maybe look at somebody else that has a case first, see one physically in your hands, uh, and then and then make a decision after that. 
Very good advice. All right. Do we have any hobby or gaming goals we want to set up for the next couple of weeks? Uh, I don't know if I have any goals. I guess I didn't really talk about it earlier, but I was finally getting some hobby this week on my super secret conversion project. It's still in this secret phase. <laughs> and But my ghouls are very, very close to being done uh, for the unit of 30, uh, putting the final touches on the last 10 that I've been working on and finally got time to work on again. And then I was got a bunch of stuff primed the other day to work on my zombies and I primed my bolt action stuff and you should be able to see a blog post coming pretty quick about those. I'm going to kind of show the value you can get out of one of their boxes or from the Normandy set I did a review on earlier and just how kind of quick and easy and what the models look like. Just going to kind of do a quick paint job. Uh, just pretty much like a fast, almost a dip version of a wash. Sure. Uh, I guess for myself, I'm going to largely focus on Merry Mayhem. So we didn't mention it at all on the show, but yes, Merry Mayhem is November 22nd. Yeah, we so should it's right around the corner now. The final sign up was yesterday for the pre sign up. Uh, final registration ends today, technically. Oh, today, technically. Today. Yep, oh, okay. November 1st for early pre reg. So yep. you get a. Uh, sportsmanship obviously this show will definitely not air before uh pre-reg is done <laughs> but you know d- november 1st was the d- deadline for pre-registration and army list submission this year for merry mayhem after t- after today uh, the price tag goes up five dollars and you no longer earn a bonus point for submitting your list early we still appreciate getting your lists early but um, anybody that gets their lists in before the army list submission date too of today also gets to have three copies of their army list printed off and put in their rules pack. Provided by us. Provided by us, and we'll Mostly. even do the we'll still do all the <laughs> other ones on, on the day of the show because we have to pump all that stuff through Army Builder and do the validation process. Yep. But uh, it won't be in time potentially for the end of your first round. Yeah, but yeah, it was cheaper, and you got an extra sportsmanship point for signing up early. Yeah, just makes our lives easier. Gives us a good idea what the headcount's going to look like, so we can do things like get to ordering the lunch and stuff like that. Yep. There's still plenty of room, so yeah. We as of last I saw, we were at 34 registered players out of I think 48 tickets we were trying to sell. So we were I think we hit 36 uh, or 35 on the day of. So we're almost the same size for the fantasy tournament that we were last year. Mm-hmm. So. I'm I'm excited for this year's event. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think this is going to be the best Merry Mayhem yet. We we keep finding ways to improve it. It's been more of a team effort this year. Um, I really <laughs> appreciate Brian stepping up and helping out with that. Trying to help. And I still got a, a, a small load of of stuff to do. So yeah, we got a lot of work to do today. Is the other yeah half of the. <laughs> so that's my goal is to try to get through all that work over the next few weeks and get that tournament launched if i happen to get some models done so be it kenny you got any hobby hobby and gaming goals uh yeah just for fantasy i got um i think i want to get some more of my dwarves painted i'm working on finishing extra iron breakers to go in this one unit and i want to work on a unit of crossbowmen and then i got a unit of miners after that that i want to get some paint on get them unified uh, and that's, that's my fantasy ones. I have other ones, but that's for other games. Yeah, round bases don't count. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm hoping to do uh, before Thanksgiving. And then I'll be, unfortunately, I'll be away for Merry Mayhem. Uh, and I, I would want to be watching the progress on social media. But I don't know if I'm going to have internet access where I'm going. Way out in the boonies. So maybe that's for the best, I guess. I'll be rubbing salt in the wound that I can't be there. 
Yep, you can definitely follow all of all of the day of stuff. Uh, we'll we'll In go out uh, for mayhem on. Um, yeah, we'll be using WarScore for the app, but that won't be. I don't think that'll go live. We'll post oh, right. all of the all of the round updates. Will go live on the Merry Mayhem website, so you get oh, all, that's the, true. Yeah. all of the pairings, all of the scoring. We'll all do that all through Merry Mayhem dot com. We will at the venue. We there will be if you're following us on Twitter, watch for people to post pictures at um, hashtag Merry Mayhem and. Um, all the pictures will go out. We'll we'll put up a, a list of pictures that we've taken probably Saturday night, the, the same day, mm-hmm. um, up on the up on a blog post on the Wisco Dice site as well as Merry Mayhem. So definitely catch those all of those spots if you're interested in watching all the seeing all the cool armies and it's coming quick. Action. Yeah, it's coming up here quick. A lot of big names are going to be a lot of big big uh, the big Midwest names are going to be there. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great to have them all in our back door here. Well, from Wisconsin. Uh, all right. Uh, about a so wrap. That's pretty much a wrap. How do you contact the show or hosts? Huh? We mentioned the email earlier, but hosts at wiscodice.com. Yep. You can always check us out at the website at wiscodice.com. For all the episode releases and our blog. Yes. Uh, I've been kind of slow on it lately. Sorry, but school happens. <laughs> yep, we kind of anticipated it slow down, but there's still been posts coming up, so it's yep. been good. And I have the mean to get some more out, so hopefully I'll see some more action from you there soon. And then, of course, social media, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, uh, follow us on all of those. Uh, and then um, if you want to kid us up on a forum, go pop us pop over on the Wisconsin Warmer Fantasy Battles Leagues www.hfb.com, yep. or if you're in Wisconsin area looking for a game. Yep, just go where ahead. you can find one. You know, chat to us there. Uh, look for a game. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, this has been good. I like transporting armies. That way, I can crush the hobby out of people. <laughs> crush them till they cry. I am the best. <laughs> Suck it, losers. <laughs> wow he thinks he's a hobby killer now. apparently i don't think he's ever even a hobby killer has he even ever played warhammer probably not <laughs> yeah that's probably my <laughs> guess <laughs> anyway thanks for joining us kenny yeah thanks for thanks joining for us it's great having you and thanks for the audience yep thanks. we're out of here thank you peace out <laughs> Ba-ba-ba-ba! ba 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 